Good morning. It is almost Thanksgiving, but we're not there yet. It's Wednesday, November 23rd. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and I'm Adam Wright, so happy to be with you today. Let's begin our morning together in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine upon them. Through the mercy of God, may the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions this day to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the the big day is almost here, and uh, last-minute preparations are going left and right. I was just thinking last night, you want some sanctification, Adam? You want to be sanctified? Go to the grocery store. And every time you get frustrated with the long lines because you're a procrastinator and you wait until the day before the day before Thanksgiving to go to the grocery store, don't get upset. Don't get mad. Just breathe and be sanctified. Offer that suffering of waiting in the line that is longer than every line at every amusement park you've ever been to combined. Offer that up for the holy souls, for the souls in purgatory who are waiting to gain entrance to heaven, and they could use your suffering, your your works on their behalf, right? So that's uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be repeating that prayer a couple times today because I do have to go back to the store today. For all of you preparing Thanksgiving dinners for tomorrow, thank you so much. Let's especially remember to pray for those who go without uh, food, without shelter, Those who are homeless tomorrow, especially as the cold weather continues to uh, be upon us, it's nicer now than it was earlier this week, but it's still cold. I wouldn't want to be out overnight in this. Today on the show, we're going to be joined by Deacon Ed Shaner, who has a new video series out for those who, uh, you know, we've been talking about holy souls all month long, and the reality is uh, there are those who have died unfortunately, at their own hand through suicide. And it's a a terrible tragedy, and it's a difficult thing to grieve. I I know several people who grieve that loss, that particular loss. Well, Deacon Ed and his colleagues have a new video series out to help parishes, to help friends and family uh, comfort those who mourn this particular grief. Also on the show today, we we are going to have Father Wade Menezes today. Yesterday, I made the mistake of saying we were having him yesterday. It is today. I'm looking at the correct show notes. We're going to have some more of his conversation about the souls in purgatory and praying for the dead today. Plus, uh, you know, we've got the the usual suspects for you. We've got the catechism. We've got the daily dose of encouragement. We've got some music for you today. Uh, for those of you that will be listening on the podcast later on, sorry, there, there's no music for you on the podcast. So you'll just have to listen to the podcast and then listen to whatever you want. You know, hopefully Covenant Network Radio. Hopefully Covenant Network Radio. That's all ahead. Uh, before we can get to any of that, you know what comes next, though. It's the weather and the saint of the day. Let's go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Felicitas, who was a martyr, and Blessed Father Miguel Augustin Pro also a martyr. Born in Guadalupe in 1891, Miguel was the third of 11 children, four of whom died, and he came from a wealthy mining family that had a great devotion to the Lord. Two of Miguel's sisters would go on to become nuns. 
Miguel gave his own life to the Lord and was ordained as a Jesuit in Belgium in 1925. One of Father Miguel's greatest gifts was his ability to be fully present in the moment, leaving the past to God's mercy and the future to his providence. As a result, he radiated with charity, kindness, and joy. But the reason he'd been ordained in Belgium is because he'd studied there, and he studied there because Mexico had outlawed the Catholic faith beginning in 1914. Following his ordination, Father Miguel returned to Mexico after a brief visit to Lourdes, where he said Mass. The Mexican government, under President Plutarco Callas, had started a brutal suppression of the Catholic Church. Priests were not allowed to wear the collar. Schools and monasteries had been closed and foreign priests expelled. In 1926, there were 4,500 priests in Mexico. Eight years later, there were just 334. During what came to be known as the Sistero War, at least 40 priests were murdered. Father Miguel had been celebrating Mass in secret, but eventually was discovered. The first time, he was arrested and released the next day. But in 1927, there was an attempt to assassinate the president. In the aftermath, both Father Miguel and his brother Roberto were taken into custody. While his brother was released, Father Miguel was condemned to death by a firing squad. His last request was to pray, and his final words were, Long live Christ the King. He was martyred on this day in 1927 by a firing squad. Blessed Miguel Augustine Pro, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. All month long on the show, we've been talking about the importance of praying for the souls of the faithful departed. And unfortunately, it seems that more and more with each passing year, I know more friends and and close acquaintances that have someone in their life, a close loved one, a friend, a family member that has committed suicide. And it's one of those topics that we don't always like to discuss, but it's important to know that there are resources out there. We're honored to be joined this morning by Deacon Ed Schoner from Scranton, Pennsylvania, who has helped put out a new free film series offering mental health and grief support from a spiritual perspective for those impacted by suicide titled when a loved one dies by suicide. So Deacon Ed, it is so good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Thank you for discussing this topic, Adam. It is an important topic. And in fact, I think of the notes that I was sent on this um, from Bishop Dolan, who said there's a true urgency for this type of resource for individuals grieving in the aftermath of this kind of trauma. And that's really where I want to start is why. I mean, the bishop there is making it very clear, this is important. Why is this so important right now? You know, if today's a typical day in the United States, about 130 people are going to die by suicide today. So we pray for them and and their families, because it is a true uh, source of suffering and grief. About 48,000 people a year die by suicide in this country. It's one of the leading causes of death in this country. I've lost my daughter Katie to suicide, which I can talk about a bit. Bishop Dolan, who you just mentioned, and this is an indication of how these mental illnesses and uh, these things can run in families, has lost three siblings to suicide, plus a brother-in-law. And uh, just after he was just installed as Bishop of Phoenix in August, and his sister uh, Mary just died a couple weeks ago from suicide after he was installed. So he knows well the impact of mental health and mental illness and suicide on a family and and the sorrow that it can bring. So it's good that we're bringing this out of the light of Christ and talking about this, because people who are 
grieving the loss of someone who's died by suicide uh, needs to know that the church accompanies them, needs to know that the Catholic leaders in this church uh, understands this, and, and we all need to know that under, feel the mercy and compassion of Christ in the midst of this, this terrible, terrible grief. Normally when we do these interviews, I end up saying something along the lines of, I imagine that others would say, but in this case, I don't have to imagine. As I said at the outset, I have friends who have been impacted by the death of loved ones by suicide, and the questions asked always include why. Why did this happen? And then followed by what could I have done in a tremendous feeling of guilt, feeling of questioning, could I have done something differently that would have prevented this? And so I know there are a lot of spiritual questions, and it's good to have good, sound spiritual resources. So when we talk about this film series, and and again, this is a free film series out there, when a loved one dies by suicide. What is the message? I know we're limited in time here, so we can't even get into the depth of it, but at its core, what is the message of this series? The main message is is that our loved ones have fallen into the arms of the loving and merciful Christ, who is the greatest psychologist and psychiatrist ever, that he understands the depth of their pain that led them to that death, and he can answer the question of why. Those of us that are left grieving have to accept in all humility that we will we'll never know, this side of heaven, what exactly was happening at the moment that our loved ones died by suicide. But we do, in the film series, have psychologists on who have studied the phenomena of suicide. There are people who specialize, they're called suicidologists, tough way to make a living every day studying the phenomena of suicide, but God bless them, they do. And the answer they will give to that question is, is even they don't know why a particular individual dies by suicide and why another individual with the same mental illnesses, same challenges in life, lives. And fortunately, most people do not die by suicide. Everyone I know who has attempted suicide and uh, survived the attempt has told me to a person, they are so glad, once they're stabilized, they're so glad they did not die. I don't believe anyone wants to die by suicide, but they get into this psychic, it's irrational, disordered thinking, and it's, it's just a very, very hard thing to understand. So I would say to anyone who's grieving a suicide, and don't feel guilty. Do not feel guilty. That rely on the loving mercy of Christ and and pray for your loved one, particularly like during this month with them when we remember the dead in a particular way. Pray for them and don't be ashamed about their manner of death or the illness that they perhaps were living with prior to their death. They were beautiful creations of God, and God misses them just as much as we do and more because He created them and loves them, and He understands what brought them to that moment of a death by suicide. Now, Ed, as we talk about who this is for, I imagine this is not necessarily the type of resource you say to someone. And, oh, you've experienced this, now go watch this video series. But this is really geared for the parish teams, primarily, if I understand correctly, for the pastors, for the grief support teams, to help equip them with how do you accompany someone, how do you walk with someone that's going through this traumatic experience in their life, the, this loss of a loved one. Is that correct, well, it's for both. I mean, it's certainly an individual, or they can watch as a family, uh, these films, these reflections. They're short films of 20 minutes or so, and there's prayers at the end of each film to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mary. So they can watch it as individual or as a family. But also, yes, it's definitely set up for parishes, because we also have some associated facilitator guide and then participant materials, which they can use in a group setting as they grieve. So, yes, it's for, for both. It's for individuals, families, and uh, parish groups. So whether you're involved in that grief support ministry at your parish or you just know that this might be a resource Father would want to have on his radar screen, the best way to find it, you know, you can search, obviously, for when a loved one dies by suicide, but Catholic 
mhm.org is also a place where you can find the film and some other resources, as Ed said. Deacon, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. I know it's not the most pleasant topic for morning drive time, but it is one that does affect all of us in some way, shape, or form. Could I ask you to conclude our time together with a prayer for those who grieve and also for those who have lost their life in this tragic way? Sure. So in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all powerful and ever-living God, please be with those who are grieving the loss of a loved one to suicide. Let them know that their loved one has fallen into your loving arms of mercy and care. And we ask you to continue to be with all of us who are grieving the, the, the death of a loved one by suicide. Let us know and reassure us that you're always close to this. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Again, Deacon Ed Schoner, thanks for being with us. And those videos are available from Ave Maria Press, uh, Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries, and at Catholic MHM. That's M as in Mental Health Ministries, CatholicMHM.org. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name, or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee, for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, Mother of Perpetual Help. Once again, we're also talking this month about the importance of praying for those who have died. And we spoke last week with Father Wade Menezes about this. And as I mentioned yesterday, we've had a couple of folks write in and say, hey, you know, that's really great. I'd love to hear some more of that, but I am not on the podcast. I don't have the ability to get the podcast. And yeah, I love the bonus content we make out, uh, available for you out there on the podcast, but we do want to... Uh, help those who aren't able to access it. So today we thought we'd bring you some more of our interview with Father Wade on the importance of praying for the dead. So let's jump back in. Recently, I was listening to a program, and now, of course, that I want to uh, recall that, I cannot recall the name, but the priest was talking about the relationship between grieving and service and specifically mentioned if you are grieving the death of a loved one, this is a wonderful invitation to do some service. And now it's all coming together, Father, that, you know, say my wife died and I am grieving her loss. And I say, Lord, I, I want you to to please welcome her into heaven. And if she's in purgatory, may she speed through that time. I could go then to the soup kitchen and do some service in the soup kitchen specifically for that intention. And I love the caveat you add yes. that if she doesn't need those prayers, then Lord, in your wisdom, please apply them to whoever in purgatory. This is incredibly beautiful, Father. In addition to the rosary, the chaplet, the three eminent good works, the 14 works of mercy, you can also offer indulgences for the deceased loved one by name. That's a beautiful thing to do. You can carry out the good works, again, not for the works themselves, but for the charity they help prosper. You can carry out the works of a particular plenary indulgence, a spiritual work. For example, praying the rosary in a public church or oratory with others aloud is a spiritual work that has a plenary indulgence attached to it. And provided you have the other four items in place that are common to all partial and plenary indulgences, that is to say, confession within 20 days before or 20 days after the day the spiritual work was carried out. Again, I'll use the praying the rosary aloud in a church or oratory with others as my spiritual work. That's the spiritual work, okay? Confession within 20 days before, within 20 days after the day the spiritual work was carried out, 
communion on the day of the spiritual work, prayers for the needs and intentions of the Holy Father, the Pope on the day of the spiritual work was carried out. And fifthly, here's the big one, a personal willed detachment from all sin, mortal and venial. It doesn't mean you won't sin again mortally or venially, but it does mean that you are in such a state that you make frequent and fervent, deliberate acts of the will to want to be removed from all sin, mortal and venial. If those other four regular elements of a plenary or partial indulgence are attached to the fifth element, the spiritual work itself, which is either plenary or partial, according to the teaching of the church, and you can get the book of indulgences to find out what 200 plus spiritual acts are and whether they're plenary or partial, you can offer the plenary indulgence for the deceased loved one. When I carry out the, the five acts total, the spiritual work itself and the other four that I just enunciated for a plenary indulgence, I can offer that for myself still living to atone for my temporal punishment that still remains for my already forgiven mortal and or venial sin that's already been forgiven, or I can offer that plenary indulgence for a deceased loved one. What I cannot do is offer a plenary or partial indulgence for another living person still on earth. Why? Because they're still living. They can still merit for themselves, okay? I can only offer it for myself to atone for my own temporal punishment that is still owed for my already forgiven mortal and venial sin, or I can offer it for a deceased loved one. So we need to remember in the sacrament of penance, and I'm going to give you the sections of the catechism here shortly that I want your listeners to go read. They're short sections and they're very beautiful. How this talk of indulgences is tied to the reality of sin. When I confess venial and or mortal sins, or when you confess venial and or mortal sins, Adam, and you receive absolution from the priest, the guilt is forgiven for those sins. It's as though you never committed it. No guilt on the soul. But the temporal punishment remains. Why is that? Well, I believe we've talked in the past on other episodes, the four categorical consequences due to sin. Sin is messy. There's personal, social, ecclesial, and cosmic consequences to sin. Personal. When I sin, I work against myself personally. For example, I constrict my growth in virtue. I work against myself when I sin. Socially, I affect my relationship with others when I sin, right? So the alcoholic husband confesses his alcoholism at his monthly confession, but he still has to make amends to his wife who he was extremely rude to during his drunken bouts. That's the social aspect of sin, personal sin. There's ecclesial consequences to sin whenever it's committed, mortal or venial. The, the very body of Christ itself, the church is disrupted, right? And then fourthly, there's cosmic consequences to sin whenever we sin mortally or venially. Uh, you want proof of that? Read the book of Genesis. What happens to the beautiful Garden of Eden after the sin of our first parents, the original sin that ushered in the original sin? that first act of disobedience, the beautiful Garden of Eden closes in on itself, right? So those are the cosmic consequences of sin. And that makes sense because the human person is at the apex of creation. We're at the top. We're the only creature made in God's image and likeness. The gases in the airs, the rocks and the minerals, the vegetative plants and the beautiful flowers and crops and trees, the brute animals like dogs and cats and horses and cattle, all these other forms of creation tell us something about the beauty of God, the greatness of God, but none of these other forms of creation are made in his image and likeness. Only the human person is made in God's image and likeness. So we're at the apex of creation, right? Book of Genesis is very clear about that. 
So doesn't it make sense, Adam, that if the human person sins mortally or venially, somehow, some way, the lower forms of creation, the cosmos, are going to be adversely affected by that? So again, the four consequences of sin, when it's committed by an individually, whether mortal or venial, has four categorical consequences, personal, social, ecclesial, and cosmic. What is mortal sin? Three things, grave matter done with fullness of knowledge and done with deliberate consent of your will. If any of those three are missing or any two of those three are missing, you have a venial sin. And so the doctrine of sin and its reality, that sin can be both deadly and non-deadly. New Testament tells us that there is both sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly. That's the church's justification for her doctrinal teaching on venial sin versus mortal sin. Again, mortal sin being grave matter, done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter, and done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. All three elements constitute a mortal sin. But if one or two of those three is missing, you have a venial sin because there is sin that is deadly and not deadly. So the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of indulgences, the doctrine of atoning for temporal punishment are all tied to the doctrine of purgatory. And I make this very clear again in my book, The Four Last Things, A Catechetical Guide to Death, Judgment, Heaven, and Hell. There's a few scripture passages, both Old and New Testament, that I'd like to cite here in defense of the doctrine of purgatory, if if that's all right. Oh, please do. Okay, sure. Uh, so in the section on the need for purification, I state this in the four last things. Now let's turn to purgatory. First of all, it's an indisputable fact that Christians from the very earliest times have prayed insistently for the dead, especially in the celebration of the Eucharist from the earliest centuries. It was a universal practice. Such prayer would be useless to those already in full communion with God, such as the martyrs in heaven, or anyone else in heaven for that matter. And it would also be useless to those who are condemned to hell, the reprobated, the damned, who are eternally separated from God. So then if we pray for the dead, there has to be an intermediate state. So then why pray for the dead? Because prayer for the dead is directed to those who are not yet fully purified at the time of their death. Only absolute purity can enter heaven. This is the ancient faith of the church. Here's a collection of some scripture passages that refer to the process of purification that we know as purgatory. So first, regarding the fact that total purification is necessary in order to enter heaven, total purification, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with all men and for that holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Strive for peace with all men and for that holiness, that purity, without which no one will ever see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 7, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable, is tested by a fire may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it talks about purification of a fire and yet still seeing God and having union with Jesus Christ after that communication with fire, that, that interaction with that purifying fire, right? Acts 14, 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Revelations 21, 27, but nothing unclean shall enter paradise. Nothing unclean shall enter paradise. So if we die still attached to sin, still having earthly attachments to things that were sinful, venially or mortally, at the time of our death, we need to be purified. But if we can get right with God and strive for that holiness now on earth, you know, we can atone for temporal punishment now. I'd like to remind my listeners, Adam, this, this point as well. It is God's plan A for you to go straight to heaven when you die. 
you know, purgatory is a very merciful doctrine, but that said, who wants to go there? I don't want to go there. I want to enter heaven immediately upon my death. I pray every morning in my morning offering to have the grace to atone for all temporal punishment now while still living on earth, thereby obtaining the greatest of all graces of entering heaven immediately upon my death. God's plan B for you, if you want to call it that, his plan B for you would be to go to purgatory, because at least the holy souls in purgatory, again, are assured heaven, right? That said, his plan A for you is to enter heaven immediately. And then Matthew 5, 25 through 26 says this, uh, Adam, make friends quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, do so now. You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Those are words of our Lord, you know, and Luke 12, 58, 59. As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you inside the prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last copper. Okay, And regarding the reality of the degrees of expiation of sins, Matthew 12, 31, therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And all wrongdoing is sin, but there is such thing that is not mortal. And that's 1 John 5, 17. There's sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly. And of course, Maccabees, it is a holy and pious practice to pray for the dead. And I've got Tons more of scripture passages in here about the reality of temporal punishment. You know, Adam, if I can remind your listeners, this is a quick read. It's only 100 pages, five short chapters, death, judgment, heaven, hell. And the fifth chapter is titled The Necessity of the Spiritual Life. What a great Advent read. Advent's about four and a half weeks long, right? Leading us right up to Christmas and the New Year celebration. Start this the first week of Advent. It's only 100 pages. Take a chapter a week, death, judgment, heaven, hell, and, and the necessity of the spiritual life, and make this a great advent focusing on the two comings of Christ, which is what the church's eschatology, the study of the four last things, is all about. Four last things, right? Death, judgment, heaven, and hell, three of which will apply to each one of us personally, death, judgment, heaven, or hell. So it's important to pray for the holy souls in purgatory, and I want them to be praying for me while I'm still living here on earth. If you'd like to hear more of that interview with Father Wade, it is available on our podcast. All you have to do is go back to the November 17th episode. But, you know, perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I'd like to see that interview with Father Wade. Wouldn't that be something? Well, good news for you. We've got a little bonus content for you on the Roadmap to Heaven Facebook page. If you just go to facebook.com slash roadmap radio, you can watch the entire interview with Father Wade Menezes. That's right. Watch the entire interview with Father Wade um, over there, facebook.com slash Roadmap Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have the catechiz for you here on Roadmap to Heaven. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. O oh my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. Here is our catechist question for today, and the question is a scriptural question. In which passage of scripture do we hear the following phrase? In which passage of scripture 
do we hear the following phrase, rejoice always, pray without ceasing in all circumstances, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in all circumstances, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Where do we hear that in the sacred scripture? In the book, well, really the letter, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day, and this has its origins going back to 1863 during the Civil War with a proclamation by President Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, you know, if you've ever read the proclamation, I'm not going to read you the full thing here, but just listen to how this starts. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Now, President Lincoln went on to talk about the, the chaos that was going on in the midst of a civil war, unequaled magnitude and severity, and um, it, he, he talks about all of this. But he keeps saying that needful or, or mindful of all of this, we still look at the gifts God who has in his providence providence provided for us, the gifts that he gives us, even in the midst of such hard and trying times. And so we turn to God in prayer. And, you know, I fall into this trap sometimes of like, oh, it's hard times this week, hard times in the right household. Well, you know what? There have been hard times all throughout human history, and I don't really know that we have it bad all of the time. But I do know this, that what President Lincoln said back in 1863 is still true today. Sometimes we are prone to forget the source from which all of these blessings in life come from. So today, tomorrow especially, let's turn to our Lord, the source of all good things, and just say thank you. A great way to do that, go to Mass tomorrow morning. Go to Mass tomorrow morning. And I say it often, it's easier to live a life of holiness when you're not cutting yourself off from God's grace. So maybe that means you need to go to confession tonight, if possible. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will have the Daily Dose of Encouragement for you. Stay tuned. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for this week so far on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. As we've been talking about gratitude, it is one of those things that, Patty, every word you say, I'm standing over here quietly in the corner saying amen, 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 amen. So let's get to it today. You tell us the encouragement, and I'm going to be over here quietly saying amen. (laughs) Well, we're talking about gratitude, the supernatural virtue of gratitude and how important it is. And one of my favorite psalms, I memorized this years ago, is Psalm 116. It says this, how can I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me. Again, that's just the cry of our heart, right? God, you've given me so much. How can I possibly make a return to you for all the good you have done to me? And the psalm goes on to say, 
the cup of salvation I will take up and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will offer a sacrifice of praise and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord. When I read those words from Psalm 116, and when I ask that question, how can I make a return to the Lord? The answer to me and all of those things about making vows to the Lord in the presence of his people, about taking the cup of salvation to me, that just spells out the mass, the mass. How can I make a return to the Lord? Go mass. The mass is the most perfect act of thanksgiving we can offer to God, period. So my encouragement for you is go to Mass on Thanksgiving Day. Make it a real Thanksgiving Day within the Mass specifically. The saints have constantly told us that the most precious moment of our spiritual lives should be the thanks that we give at Mass for God and for His gift and the thanks that we give for receiving the Eucharist. That's true thanksgiving. That's true gratitude. If you want to know how you can make a return to the Lord for all the good He's done for you, go to Mass. I'm just going to say every great piece of pie, every fantastic bite of turkey, every delicious side, it's all a gift from the Lord. And that's just the beginning of what we're going to experience tomorrow. So, Patty, this is absolutely right. Begin the day with Mass and give thanks for everything, every good gift that we've received. We won't have a show for you tomorrow for Thanksgiving. We will be having Holy Mass for you here on our airwaves at 7 a.m. on Friday. We'll be back with you with our special post-Thanksgiving edition of the Roadmap Roundup and what has grown to be one of my favorite traditions here on the show, having a special group of panelists for the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's a real joy for me, and we taped this last week. Uh, I found it to be incredibly um, fun and, and delightful and insightful and uh, you, I, I just encourage you to tune in. If you can't tune in during the 7 o'clock hour on Friday, we will have it on the podcast. We'll have it out there on our social media channels, and uh, you'll be able to just click the link and listen to it online at your convenience, maybe while you're putting the last of the dishes away on Friday after they've run, run through the dishwasher overnight, Thursday night into Friday morning. I don't know. I don't know what you'll be doing, but you do. And uh, we're going to have with us Nancy Werner, Joyce Jones, and Laura Costa, all from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, uh, three wonderful women who had some great things to say and some things that I've already started looking up on my own, like, uh, I might want to do some of that. So I encourage you to tune in. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget the Daily Dose of Encouragement, the Saint of the Day, Roadmap to Heaven, all available in podcast format wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, we also have out there Monsignor Witt's Church History, Tom Shrewsbury's Lives of the Saints, all of these. Uh, just search for them. Search Covenant Network wherever you get your podcast, and you can find these and more. Or go to ourcatholicradio.org. That's not your Catholic radio, not my Catholic radio, but ourcatholicradio.org. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you so much for listening to this morning's episode of Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today. <laughs>